What a blessing. To God be the glory. I love our young people. I love our worship team and all the effort work. And I pray for them every, every week that God would just take them and use them and help us to, uh, to usher us into the presence of the Lord Jesus as we're together. We've been in a sermon series for about five weeks now. And there's just uh, not any end in sight, really. I, I, I know that we uh, may be somewhere close to halfway through this. I didn't plan on even speaking five weeks, but I have continued just to find a wealth of riches in the scriptures regarding the body of Christ. And we've entitled this sermon series, Everybody is Somebody in the Body. And uh, what, a, what a tremendous thought. And uh, we've been this week taking some time as an elder team and as a leadership team to discover the the, the way that we're going to... Uh, the process, I should say, that we're going to use to lead our church into this discovering your place in ministry. And we have um, been working and researching, and God has placed us in a really good spot, in a, in a good curriculum, and we're so excited. This process will not be, you know, download this from the internet, fill it out, bring it into the office. It won't be like that. It's going to be, uh, there, there's going to be some training and some teaching and some effort and some investment. We're excited. It, when it's all said and done, we pray that every church member will have spent about four to five hours in a process over a period of time uh, learning their spiritual gift. And so we're going to do it as a leadership team first in the next couple, three weeks, and then we're going to release it to the church family through the small groups at first. So I want to give you an update on that. Uh, before I start the message, is there anyone that needs a worship guide? Would you raise your hand? And as you keep your hand up long enough to where one of our great ushers can see it, they will give you a worship guide for you to follow along with the message this morning. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've been hanging out there a lot, hadn't we? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What a chapter in scripture. Uh, of course, chapter 12 deals with uh, the spiritual gifts and the body of Christ. It, it, it uh, is the chapter that indicates in a very strong way that the church is the body of of Christ. And then chapter 13, of course, deals with love and how without love, all of these gifts are in vain. You know, we've got to have love. Chapter 14 kind of works, uh, kind of plays out some of those gifts, how they look in the church and how they operate and what's important and what's not important. And there's just a lot of good scripture here in 1 Corinthians. But I want to draw your attention to two verses. I want you to look with me, first of all, at verse 12. Would you do that? Look at verse 12. I'm introducing the message. For as the body is one. All right, let's talk about that for just 30 seconds. The body is one. Okay, when I got out of bed this morning, my, my body got out. This, this, I didn't, my head didn't get out first. You know what I mean? Hey, why don't you go brush your teeth, head? You know, and come back when you're done. I want to sleep a little longer. That wouldn't have worked, all right? That's just not how it works. That, that, that's unhealthy. That, that, that's not good when your head is severed from your body. That's not a positive thing. It just doesn't work. It can't happen. It's just the, there's one body. You see, my hands didn't take off first. My legs, my whole body got out. So there's one body. But this body hath many members. And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So up to this point in verse 12, we're talking about the human body. He's making a clear observation that we all have a body, but the body has many members. Then he says, at the very last part of that verse, so also is Christ. So just like 
there's one body with many members, so also is Christ and his body. His body is the body of Christ, the church. He is the head of the church. We are members of his body. So again, we want to give you that illustration over and over again in different ways to make sure you connect with that thought. Now I want you to fast forward to verse 25. And I want you to look at our text verse connected to verse 12. There's one body. And then it says this. Now in this body, we we don't want there to be any... In my my King James, it says schism. That's a kind of a funny word. We don't use that word much. But we're talking about that there's something that would come into the body that would cause hurt to the body, that would distract the body, that would cause harm to the body, something that would be unhealthy in the body, something that would disconnect the body. We don't need that, this unity. We don't need this schism, if you will. But that the members should have the same care, one for another. So here in Scripture, we're learning that the whole body needs to care for one another. This is the way that the world is going to know that Jesus Christ really makes a difference. You see... Love is something that, and care is something that oftentimes can't always be seen, but oftentimes and many times it can be felt. It is what makes the difference. It is how the world sees Jesus through you and through me. That's God's plan for the body. No arrogance, no disunity, no envy, no self-sufficiency, meaning this, that no one thinks that it's all about them. No one in the church thinks that. The arm doesn't think it's all about him because the arm knows it doesn't have much potential without the elbow and the shoulder. The leg knows it's not all about him because the leg doesn't have much profit if it doesn't have something it can be connected to, the hip, and so on and on it goes. And so there's no arrogance, there's no self-sufficiency, there's no disunity. So here's what I want to do this morning in our sermon series, Everybody is Somebody in the Body, is I want to take some time and show you in the Bible what I'm calling One Another Commands. In verse 25, it says we are to care for one another. How do we do that? How do we care for one another? How does that look at Gospel Light Baptist Church? What are some ways that you and I can practice caring for one another in the body? We've got one body. We're all different members. But yet we're all supposed to care for one another. All right, let's begin with this. Number one, the Bible says we are to love one another. The scripture I'd like for you to use and mark in your notes is John 13, 34. There's many, but I want you to see John 13, 34. In John 13, 34, it says this, a new commandment I give unto you. Circle that word new. What's new about it? We're going to discover what's new about it. Hang on. Here's the new commandment. That ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Here we find a new commandment. Now, wait a minute. There were many commandments in the Old Testament, right? Given in the Old Testament. But here, Jesus comes along and he gives a new commandment. Now, just think with me for a minute about this new commandment. Oftentimes, we, we wear our Christianity on our bumper stickers. 
Oftentimes we, we wear our Christianity on a t-shirt or, and I'm not against those things. I'm, I'm okay with t-shirts and bumper stickers and lapel pins. But the world will know we follow Jesus, church, by our love. Not by our bumper stickers, not by our religious t-shirts, not by our lapel pins that say Jesus first or have a dove or some sort of a signal. No, the world will know Jesus by our love. New commandment. Check out 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 on the screen. It says, if a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. He that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? A new commandment. There it is again. Rather, and this commandment. A new commandment. The same commandment of John 13. Have we from him that he loveth God, loves his brother also. What is it about this commandment? It's not optional because commandments are not optional. But they can be. They're not automatic. They don't just come automatically. We have to decide we're going to do this. So what is this kind of love? This new kind of love. What's different about it? Does this mean that the Old Testament did not say that we should love one another? No. The Old Testament taught we should love one another. In the Old Testament, we find we should love God with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our body, with all of our... We know we're to love God and, 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 and place no other gods before Him. It's obvious the Old Testament taught love, but this is a new commandment. And it says to love as He loved. It's a new quality of love. It's a greater love than any love that's ever come along. The love that Jesus is speaking about is not just about doing our neighbor no harm, but it's a love that seeks opportunity to do him good even when he doesn't deserve it. This is a love unlike any other love. This is not a love that says, like our little children sometimes, Why did you do that to your sister? Well, she did it to me. Sounds like church members in the body does sometimes. Well, you know, he did this to me or he hurt me or she did this. And so I'm. And Jesus says, John 13, 34, church. That's causing schism. That's causing disunity. Wait a minute. I, I know that they may not deserve your love, but would you love them with a greater quality of love? You see, I loved you when you weren't very lovable, Jesus says. He says, I died on the cross for your sins when you were crucifying me and mocking me and spitting on me. I said, listen, Father, forgive them. I love them. I'm willing to die for them. Jesus said, love others like that. Love one another. That's what Jesus did for us. In Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us you see love and i've said this before is not giving me what i deserve love is not giving eric Pacey what he wants love is giving me what i need love says this you will do me good regardless of what i do to you love says i will do you good regardless of what you do to me we are to love one another and then it says something very interesting in romans chapter 15 verse 7 it says to receive one another that's number two 
this one to me is kind of strange at first. You see it, and what makes it so amazing is the verse, Romans 15, 7, because it's interesting how it, it's similar to love, because it says, receive ye one another. Remember, love one another as I have what? Loved you. Receive ye one another as what? As Christ has received us. Same thing. I want you to love people like I loved you. I want you to receive people like I have received you. This is huge. This is huge. Don't miss this. In order for us to understand the context for which he is giving this commandment, we've got to think back to the New Testament church. How diverse was that church? The New Testament church had grown. Folks were being saved. Lives were being changed. There was an explosion, a revival. The world had been turned upside down. Inside the church, there was divorce. Inside the church, there was mixed marriages. Inside the church, there were slaves and free, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, young and old, mature and babes in Christ. To be honest with you, it was a mess. It it wasn't just this beautiful little body where everybody was the same. All perfect marriages in our church. You know, all one race in our church. By the way, church, just in case you're wondering what heaven's going to be like, it ought to be what the church looks like. This isn't a social club. This isn't a social gathering. This is not about, you know, do you shop at Dillard's or Walmart? We could care less. You see, they were all part of the body of Christ. And so everybody, regardless of their social background, regardless of their religious background, everybody was welcomed. Listen, Gospelite, we need to make everyone welcome who wants to or is seeking to worship God. Notice I said wants to or is seeking to. Many came here this morning wanting to worship God. That was your intention. You couldn't wait to get here. You love Sundays. You love others are coming seeking. They're just kind of wondering. Well, I wonder what this place is like. I've heard some things. I've heard good. I've heard bad. I'm not sure what to believe. I, I'm coming this morning. Somebody here this morning sitting in the building, in the balcony, somewhere here. It's sort of they, they've got some reservations, but they're here. Guess what? Both are welcomed. Doesn't matter. Whether you're seeking to worship or whether you are worshiping God, you are welcome here. You know, we've, this has been an effort of our church. It's, it's been in our DNA since the early days because when you start a church in this neighborhood, you better be ready for anything. We're not in the highfalutin tootin' part of town. And it's gotten better. I mean, listen, church, when we first started Gospel Light, on the corner of 3rd and South, first year we were there, there were uh, uh, 11 murders and 22 break-ins. It was a rough area on the corner of 3rd and South. There was a drug house across the street. That was absolutely, I mean, I, I witnessed with my own eyes a guy get shot in front of that house with a shotgun. Not a pistol, a shotgun. And we were having church across the street and trying to have a Christian school. Wasn't real good for the brochure. It's crazy. But I remember in the early days we started our church, you know, we do, we do a Wednesday night gathering. We still gather on Wednesday nights. We just do it differently. We have a teen gathering. We have small group gatherings all throughout. We have a men's gathering. We have a ton of people getting together on Wednesday night. just looks different than just one gathering. I like the scattering gathering better than the, than the gathering of just in one building on Wednesday nights. I think it covers more needs and, and, and the small groups are so healthy. But for a long time it was great for us. And when we started Wednesday nights, we would, we would gather... And it would always be a smaller crowd than morning and night, right? Sunday morning, Sunday night. But 
It was good. And we had a great time. One Wednesday night in the very first building. Now, you got to realize this building was a 16 by 80. You can go see it. It's still part of our campus. It's our Spanish church now. And they actually, I went there last week to, to just walk through the building and reminisce, you know, because it's fun. And I was reminiscing. Some of our charter members need to do that. It's really cool. You'll cry, man. It's crazy. And I'm in this, I'm in our original auditorium, 16 by 80. And I often say it's like preaching in a two-lane bowling alley, you know, thin, long. And I remember on a Wednesday night, it was a snowy, icy Wednesday night. I mean, it was bad weather. And, but we, you know, we, we had enough people that lived right around the church to, you know, we'll, we'll just have church. You know, I was stuck at the church. I couldn't really go anywhere because of the ice. I'd worked that day and I couldn't go home. So I just said, well, I'll just, you know, if anybody comes, we'll have church. Nine people showed up. And eight of them were, you know, kind of normal, like people I knew. But one guy showed up and... <clears throat> It was, it was just like, who's this guy? It was, it was, it was the early days of our church, and, and, and I didn't know how to receive him. I wasn't sure. He, he had really long hair. He, had, he looked rough. He had a big old beard. He came in dressed differently, had some change, and had cigarettes in his pocket, and, and then he had a guitar. Now, that's a little different. I don't see any people walking in with guitars in the church this morning, and, you know, just it was funny. I'm saying guitar because, you know, I'm in Arkansas. It's a guitar, I know. But I mean, it's a guitar, you know what I mean? And so, he, he walks in, he sits down, and at first nobody greeted him. You know, there's only nine of us, including him, and we're like, you know, anybody know him? So I finally walked back, shook his hand, you know, and welcomed him, you know, as best I could. And then I, I got up and said, well, we're going to have a service this morning, tonight. Now, I don't have any instruments, because obviously, you know, Nobody who, none of our people who play instruments are here, uh, but we'll go ahead and sing a hymn. And he goes, I got a guitar. I thought, oh, no. Not the guy that walked in the building with cigarettes and long hair. No, that's not going to work in a Baptist, independent Baptist church. And at the time, we were more, you know, like independent, fundamental, primitive, blah, 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 all them, like real long names, like with all the big things next to it. We were like that. So a little different now. Amen. And so, but I remember, I thought, oh, no, you know, what are, what are people going to think, you know? I don't know this guy. I got so I got nervous. But here's hands up. I got a guitar. I know Amazing Grace. What you going to do? Well, I did. I said, praise the Lord. I said, why don't you come and lead us in song tonight? So here, our church is two months old, and we got a hippie with a guitar and cigarettes leading our music. Now, here's my point. My point is this. That illustration, that story, that, that event that happened two months into our church transformed and probably even has something to do with who I am today. You see, God has a way of, of, of testing us and putting things in our lives to see just how much we really love people. Sometimes it gets messy, doesn't it? Sometimes it gets uncomfortable. But aren't we all messy? Aren't we all? Don't we all have problems and issues? Don't we all need to be received by everybody here? With all of our problems and all our motes and beams in our eyes, isn't it just about receiving others like Jesus received us? Everybody needs a church. Ken, I'm going to fast forward through Philemon and just go to Romans if you don't mind. Romans 14, 1. I want to give you this verse real quick. It says, him that is weak in the faith, what? Receive. Receive him. 
Here's a guy, he's, he's not super spiritually mature. Here's a guy who's backslidden. Here's a guy or girl coming out of rehab. Here's a situation where somebody's struggling in some sort of a addiction or sin or whatever, kind of like all of us are struggling. You know, sometimes I think we think our addictions aren't really addictions. You know, we don't, you know, we don't do this or this. Well, wait a minute, let me tell you something, church. There's probably nobody in here that doesn't have some kind of addiction. If you watch too much television, you've got an addiction. You know what I mean? So before we start pointing our fingers at the real addictions, we probably all need a little celebrate recovery, to be honest with you. It wouldn't hurt all 80 of us to show up on a Friday night and just get some help from time to time. Now, all that to say that there is a, a receiving that, that, that needs to be given, especially to people who need it more than anyone else, and that's the weak. They're wandering. They're looking for a place. They, they thought they could find it over here. They, they didn't find it. So they come to the church, and they're not received. So guess where they're going back? Right back there. Now, don't receive them to doubtful dispu- disputations. I studied that, and there's different ways to, to, to approach that. But I'm going to go with the safest way, the, the most obvious way, and that is this. Don't argue and fight about things that don't really matter. Don't look at all these other things. Don't, don't try to nitpick people to death. But, but just love people and receive them where they're at. There's so much more to that than that, but I need to move on. Number three, we are to love one another, receive one another. Thirdly, if we're to be a body that is, has no schism, no disunity, we are to greet one another. Now, I want you to notice three verses, and you've got a place, to, I think, in, in your, in your uh, worship guide there. Romans 16, 16 first. Salute one another with a holy kiss. 1 Corinthians. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 16, 20. All the brethren greet you. Greet ye one another with a holy kiss. 2 Corinthians 13, 12. Greet one another with a holy kiss. How many of you getting nervous about right now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where's he going with this one? I, I, and pastor, uh, he's got a sense of humor. I'm just not sure. Well, first of all, let's establish this, that we got the word holy in front of the, the word kiss. So we know we're okay. We're not talking about something that's dealing with lust or dealing with something that's not, not natural. Like this, is, this is dealing with greeting one another, listen, affectionately. Have you ever heard this? Man, I tell you, when I'm around them, it's just, it's, there's a warm feeling. It's, you can, it's genuine. That's what this is. Now, you know, being Italian, it is our custom to literally greet with a kiss on the cheek. That's our custom. I have, I have probably, you know, I'll say this try without saying it, I'll, not even tongue in cheek. I've probably greeted 100 people in our church, men, not women, men, with a kiss on the cheek. I kissed Mike this morning on the cheek. Here, Darren, come here, kiss on the cheek. <laughs> I've kissed you before on the cheek. Don't you act too Okay. <laughs> Tiffany, don't even think about it, okay? I mean, I, she's like, oh, I wish I could do that. No. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I did that. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to loosen up you just a little bit because I can tell some of you are super nervous. What, I, what the Bible is speaking of here is, first of all, there's, there was a custom in the Middle East. And that custom, by the way, still is going on today. They're still greeting one another with a holy kiss, still today. Men kiss men. Women would kiss a woman. 
But yet we're not talking necessarily about that being a custom here. It's not really a custom here. It's not a custom in churches here. It's not a custom. But I'll tell you what is. Customs change, but love doesn't change. We are all to greet one another with warmth and affection. If somebody comes to gospel light and can sit through an hour service, hour and 15 minute service and, and, and be on our property and not have multiple people come up to them and say, man, Jack, I'm so glad you're here. God bless you, brother. You mean a lot to me. I'm so thankful for the things you do. And Julie, you're such a blessing. God bless you guys. And man, brother, thank you for all coming, visiting our church. Hey, you had two visitors here this morning. Didn't even know it. Glenda. Glenda does hair in Glenwood. Invited two people. She cut their hair. They came to the 9 o'clock service. Glenda's not a member of our church yet, but she's still inviting people. How you doing? Amen. I told Glenda this morning. I sat next to Glenda. We spent five minutes together, and I hope she felt the warmth and the appreciation because I, I, I love that. Do you see what I'm talking about? Sometimes the reason why churches get cold and frigid is because we get our spot, we sit down, and we don't greet anybody. And at Gospel Light Baptist Church, we must be a church that greets one another. I mean, people need to see and sense that. At first, they may feel somewhat a little uncomfortable. They may be like, it's a little different, man. Those that they love, they kind of, I don't know, it's a little different. They, they always want to hug you or shake your hand or, hey, let me tell you something. They may be saying that now, but there's nobody that doesn't need and want love. Trust me, we've got to get through that and work through that and love people and greet people and make them feel welcome. I believe there's a couple of things about greeting someone. First of all, it should be personal. Sometimes it just needs to be personal, like just walking up to somebody. For instance, here it is in 2 John chapter number, or verse number 12. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face. Uh, you know what? I, I'm not going to write anything to you. Sometimes I need to write a note to my wife. Sometimes I need to tell her face to face. Are you with me? It needs to be sometimes a personal greeting is so much better than, than a text message. You see? And then the greeting needs to be impartial. By the way, I heard a joke about a man who wrote his girlfriend 365 days a year and she married the postman. Yeah. That personal greeting is a whole lot better. Sometimes that greeting needs to be impartial. James chapter 2 verse 9 says this. But ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin. You see, God is not a respecter of persons. This is not about, you know, I like to greet the people who are like me or who have money or who are like this or who are like, no, no, no. It's an impartial greeting. Every church should be a place where everybody is somebody. Everybody. Doesn't matter who you sit next to. Doesn't matter. We don't have sections here. I remember one time years ago, I knocked on the door and the lady asked me if we had a Dillard's section in the church. No joke. I'm not making that up. She said, is there a place where the people who shop at Dillard's sit? At our church, we have a Dillard's section. I could not believe what I was here. I mean, let me tell you something. That's not church. That's not church. Church is not, I sit in my section with my kind of people. Church is, I sit wherever with whomever because everybody is somebody in the body. That's what it's about. And so the greeting should not be impartial. Number four, we are to submit to one another. 
Now, what does that mean? You know, that word submission is a word that normally we just, first of all, we've, we've, we've misunderstood the word for so long that we just like to think that women are to submit, you know. So we, you know, we, we, we kind of press that issue and we have verses that talk about wives submitting themselves to the husband. But we have a distorted understanding of what that means. You see, what Scripture is teaching here, let me read it to you. Ephesians chapter number 5 in verse 18. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Because by the way, sometimes when we get filled with the Spirit, I want to tell you, some things can, can, can happen in, per, in a person who is full of the Holy Spirit. And I mean, there's, there's something that, 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 that inside of a person that can sometimes show on the outside of a person. There's so much there when we are worshiping God you know, there might be somebody that says, like they did the New Testament, man, they look like they're drunk. No, they're not drunk. They're just filled with the Spirit. <laughs> Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hang on. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. What does that mean? Well, first of all, we know it means this. Christians are to submit to one another. Submission is for Christians. But what is biblical submission? All right, here it is. Biblical submission is when one equal willingly and lovingly places themselves under another equal that God may be glorified. Here it is. Listen. Right now. And I want to thank you for this. But I really appreciate, right, you are submitting yourself to me. And I appreciate it. I'm exercising my spiritual gift right now. I am your leader at this moment. This is a, an opportunity for me to lead the church in preaching and teaching God's word. Thank you. You're listening. You're here. You came. I appreciate it. I am so grateful that at this moment there is submission taking place. And it's submission from the congregation to an elder in the church who is preaching God's word. But wait a minute. There's no big shots or little shots in the body of Christ. I may be right now the one who is leading, but there are many times when I submit myself to you. This week I had a man, uh, one of our members call me and just say, Preacher, I need your prayers. I need to, I've got a situation that I need you to go to Little Rock if you possibly can. Actually, I actually offered to go, but he told me about a, a special prayer request of a kind of a situation that is, is where someone is struggling. And he said, would you be willing to help? And I said, yes, and I've contacted the man. And so this week I'm driving to Little Rock to have coffee with the man because a member of this church called me and I submitted myself to him. And I said, thank you for calling. I submit to you. I want to help you with that. We submit to one another. Many times we are approached by someone and they become, if you will, they're our equal, I'm your equal. See, sometimes we look at the pastor and we, 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 miss, we misappropriate his authority. We make him a dictator. We make him the one who, who is this person sitting way up here. We're all down here. No, no, I'm, the ground is level. I'm a member of the body. At times I lead. Other times I follow. Does that make sense? We submit to one another. That's what true submission is. One equal submits to another equal that God might be glorified. We all come to a place where it is right to submit. Let me give you the next one. We are to forbear one another. What does that mean? Wow. 
Well, let's go to Ephesians 4 on the screen. Fill in your notes with Ephesians 4, 1 through 4, and follow along with me these incredible verses in, in Scripture. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. Here it is. Forbearing one another in love. All right, look at verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, we forbear one another in love. Why? Because we're going to work to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace because we're one body. So what does it mean to forbear, right? I mean, if I need to forbear one another to keep peace, if our church is going to be a great church only if I forbear, then it might be good for me to know what that means. Amen? So what is forbearance? Here it is. It is graciously enduring and putting up with the displeasing, offensive, or sinful attitude or actions of other people. Meditate on that one for a while because most churches can never get there. And that's why we're struggling today in the body and why it's unhealthy and why it's sick is because we can't seem to graciously endure or put up with very much. But that's forbearance. Now, if you want to be honest, why don't we just begin with the pastor's embarrassing faults? Can we do that? Because the only reason, Dave Wilkie, why I'm here after 23 years is because you have extended forbearance to me. Honestly. You say, well, pastor, wait a minute. You know, aren't you supposed to be perfect? Are you? Because if you're not, I can assure you I'm not. And so what happens is most pastors stay, I researched this, one year and eight months is the longevity of the average pastor in America at a church. One year and eight months is about all people can put up with. You're done and he's done. And so he's moving on and you're moving on and we're getting a new guy. And every time we get a new guy, we put a thumb on him because guess what? If he does any, I'll tell you what, we ain't putting up a squat. We want the guy to speak. And so all of a sudden what happens is, is the churches get smaller and unhealthier because we have no forbearance. The only reason I'm here for 23 years is because there's people sitting in the pews who have said, you know what, pastor? Hey, you may not say this verbatim, but I'm telling you what you've talked about in your homes. You know what? Pastor's not perfect. He's made some mistakes. But yeah, we love him and we love Jesus and we, we, we think God's got his hand on him. And so we're going to keep on going and serving God with him. And I'm saying the same thing about you. That's how it works. It's forbearance. It's beautiful. Listen, I want you to know something this morning. I'm not talking about unconfessed or unrepented of sin. This is not about... Well, Pastor, now what are you talking about? Because it's real easy right here to kind of get sideways and say, well, is he promoting sin? Is he promoting? No, no, not at all. I'm just saying to you that there are times when I will need your forbearance and when you will need mine, according to Scripture. I never walk into this pulpit with unconfessed or unrepented of sin because I, I, I just can't do that. But I will tell you this, I'm light years away from perfection. Light years. And so are you. And so what are we doing here? We're learning to forbear one another. We're in this thing together and we have to forbear one another. Sometimes I think it would be really cool if members of the church could be like the pastor for a week. 
Because I think you can help me. I think I could come to you after a week and say, what'd you think? How'd you like it? You know, like stuff like this, like get, get, get two, two emails in the same week. One email says, I don't know why we have to clap in church, Brother Eric. And then the next email, the next day says, I love it when we clap in church. And then you get an email that says, you know, I, I, I love those four guys that sing. I wish they'd sing every week. And then the next week it's, you know what, I don't know about that southern guy. Hey, that, that country western stuff, feel like I'm in a bar. And then you get an email that says, well, you know, pastor, why does the sound system have to be so loud? Turn it down. The next, you go, pastor, it's not loud enough. Turn it up. What would you do if you were the pastor? <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I do. I forbear. That's all you can do. It's just forbear. And just love one another. Number six. We are to confess to one another. In James 5, 16, it says this. Confess your faults one to the other and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Pray for one another. Confess your faults to one another. Those two things, think about it. What does it mean when it says confess to one another? Well, number one, it means this. Don't criticize one another but pray for one another in your notes I have it like this confession of a fault is not a call to criticism it's a call to prayer confession of a fault is like oh man wow did you hear so wait wow okay I got three fingers pointing back at me you see here's the other thing when we got to remember this, too. When we point out the sins of someone else, you know, the old molten beam thing, right? The moat and the beam, and, and it just gets really ugly after a while. We're knocking people out all over the building every time we move our head, man. It's just way out. And so, so wait a minute. It's not pointing out faults. It's saying, let me pray for you. Confess your faults one to the other and pray for one another. You see, failure to do this often holds back forgiveness, healing, and revival. And so what kind of confession are we talking about here? Well, we have to be careful. Listen, I've seen this not here at Gospel Light, but I've seen this abused at places I've been. But be careful. Confession, confessing to one another is, is something that needs to be done with discernment. I often like to give this simple little formula. Public sin public confession personal sin personal confession private sin private confession I think in that context we learn how to confess our faults one to the other it's not always behind a pulpit in front of everybody but it could be there could come a time when somebody who has publicly brought uh, shame to the church and to the name of Christ where there might be, even scripturally we're told that there might be a time where someone would have to go before the church. But there's other times where it's just two brothers getting together, two sisters getting together, two families getting together and just say, look, I've offended you. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Other times it's just about going straight to God. So in the context of confessing our faults, we understand those things. But when we do this, revival is soon to follow. And then number seven, we need to forgive one another. 
What does it say in Ephesians 4.32? Well, it says actually to be kind to one another. That's not one of my points, but I guess it could be. There's so many other one and others. I just took the seven, what I believe to be most important. But it says to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, forgiving one another. And remember, forgive one another like this. Love one another as I have loved you. Receive one another as I have received you. And forgive one another as I have forgiven you. Wow. Forgive one another as God has forgiven me? That's amazing. An unforgiving spirit has ruined so many churches. If God has forgiven you, then you need to forgive me and I need to forgive you. There's not a day that I live that I don't need forgiveness. Not a day. This morning, my wife and I, sometimes my wife's able to bring me to church on Sunday mornings. Other times I walk because if Glorianne sleeps in, then she can bring me to church. If she doesn't sleep in, then I just walk because you can't leave her alone. So this morning... We were really quiet, you know. I said, honey, it's 28 degrees. I think you could bring me to work, this, uh, to church this morning. And she said, yeah, yeah. So we're tiptoeing and Gloria Ann stayed asleep. She was kind of rumbling, but we, you know. So we got out to the car and she, she drove me to church. So it's about, you know, four hours ago, five, five hours ago. Well, I opened my big mouth. And, and I said something, you know, you know, corrective something about her driving. And it didn't go well. It just didn't go well. I mean, it's Sunday morning, church. I've got to preach in two hours, and my wife is not happy, and I opened my big mouth up and had to say something on Sunday morning about something that didn't matter. I sh- Look, I'm, I'm just as prone to be a bad driver, but here I'm open. It wasn't close. It was stupid. I open my mouth, she gets offended, and I try to fix it right away. Did my best. You know, I still was probably not fully right with God, though. Because you want to be right, you know, you're like, I'm sorry, I should have said that, but, you know, we'll talk after. I'm thinking, I can't talk after. So guess what we did for a while? We just texted one another. You know, I love you, I love you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you're great, you're great. I'm stupid, no, I'm stupid. You know why I'm preaching so good this morning? Because I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. I didn't bring, I didn't even bring into the pulpit this morning that wrongdoing. I shouldn't have said anything. I know that's a small thing. And I bet you're thinking, like old Cliff Kaufman says, man, if that's the worst thing you ever do, preacher, you'll be well off when you wind up the game. I mean, I, I do normally treat my wife really nice, but sometimes I'm, I can be a little hard to live with. And sometimes I can say things I shouldn't say, and she's sensitive. But I want you to know that we're okay because of one word, forgiveness and love. <laughs> but forgiveness, forgiveness. So I want to say this to you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning, if our church is a body, if we are the body of Christ, let's care for one another. Let's love one another. Let's receive one another. Shall we forbear one another? Let's greet one another and confess 
to one another and forgive one another. And when we do that, when we really do that, this becomes a little bit of heaven on earth. And the body functions at full strength. And because we all know that we all bring something to the table that from time to time we'll need forgiveness and because we all sometimes live a messy life that just needs forbearance and because we all need to be loved and, and greeted and there's nobody here that likes to be ignored. All of us enjoy from time to time a warm, fuzzy, I love you. Come on, let's be honest. Because we all need that, guess what? When all of us, and this is not spiritual gifts, church. This is commands of God. This is not, well, I'm just not that way. I'm just not a loving person. Oh, yes, you are. You, 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 you are commanded. It's, it's, it's not automatic, but it's not optional. These are not optional. Nobody here can say, well, I ain't going to forgive. Well, guess what? If you don't forgive, I can promise you this. You're going to make this body sickly, and, and it will never be able to operate. It's not optional, church. We must forgive. It's not automatic but it's not optional. Let's do that. And if you've never been forgiven of your sins, this morning would be a great day to come inside the body of Christ, to enter in to a relationship with Jesus Christ and know what it's like to experience these one and others. Every head bowed and every eye closed. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, I trust that God has used the message to help all of us. I trust that God will take these words and, and that he will infuse them into our hearts. That we would not leave this place without having prayed and confessed to God the areas in our lives that are shallow and weak. Maybe there's somebody this week that needs to seek forgiveness from another. Maybe there's someone this week that needs to be more friendly and engaging and greeting. And maybe there's someone this week like me that needs to say, I'm sorry, forgive me. I don't know what it is, but I know that the Holy Spirit does. And if you have come under conviction of the Holy Spirit, I can assure you that's not me because I have no power to convict. I, I can manipulate sometimes. And I hate that. And I never want to manipulate anybody. Because that is not of the Spirit. The Spirit convicts. Man manipulates. Don't allow anyone to manipulate you. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try to trick you into coming. I'm going to simply say, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, then please listen to His voice. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand. And when we do... If you need to come, if you need to be saved, if you need to talk to someone, if you need to pray, you come. Father, I love you.